0: The annual Illinois State School Report Card is out and education leaders are claiming victory. This is Capital Cast from Capital News, Illinois. I'm Jennifer Fuller. The Illinois State Board of Education released its annual assessment this week, providing a snapshot of how K-12 through schools across the state are doing on a variety of metrics.
1: We're moving fast toward recovery, although we still have quite a distance to travel. Educators and families should be proud of the remarkable progress we see on the 2023 Illinois report card, while remaining focused on understanding and meeting the students' academic and social-emotional needs at this phase of recovery.
0: That's Illinois State School Superintendent Tony Sanders in the announcement and analysis of the newly released data. CNI's Peter Hancock covered the briefing. Peter, what stands out to you?
2: Well, I think we really got kind of a snapshot of Uh, how well schools and students in particular are recovering from the pandemic. There was a great deal of learning loss and of course, some kind of iffy measurements uh, because it was hard to do these assessments during the pandemic in 2020, 2021. Uh, But we do know that there was significant learning loss during that period. And so now we're getting a look at how uh, students and schools are rebounding from that, and from the, you know, from the information that we're getting out of the most recent assessments, it looks like they're doing pretty
0: well. Superintendent Sanders and others are pointing to those challenges that COVID nineteen presented, both during the height of the pandemic and, of course, as schools are navigating the path forward. Here's what he had to say initially.
1: If we were to look at a cohort of students who are in third grade in 2019 before the pandemic, we see that their proficiency rate has now fully recovered and actually surpasses where they started in third grade now that they are in seventh grade. We also see this cohort of students making major gains in math, although we still have room to grow before achieving full recovery.
0: So Peter in addition to covering the briefing and pouring over the analysis you talked with education advocacy groups about their reaction how does how how does what they're saying compare to what isby is saying as well
2: Yeah I spoke with uh, Advance Illinois and their president Robin Staines who keeps a real close track on this and it's kind of interesting because they have a little bit more of an independent view of it uh but they are big public school advocates. And uh, their take was, yes, the state is making progress in some key areas, but there is still a long way to go, uh, especially in terms of closing the achievement gaps between different demographic groups, just getting kids, you know, more or less back on track to where they should be.
3: I actually think that the increases that we saw both generally and within subgroups make sense to me um they are there were some significant ones but they tended to be where you where one of two things was at play it was a uh, a group or an area where there was a lot of ground that needed to be made up and you tend to see bigger increases where people are further behind right it's it makes that makes sense and that's something that we've seen historically and the second is that you saw greater increases in general at the Upper grades, you know, six, seven, eighth, we're doing. You're seeing greater gains than in the early grades, which also makes sense when you given which when you consider which years would have been where learning would have been disrupted for kids. You'd expect those students to rebound faster.
0: That's Robin Staines There, one thing that that she said, along with what Tony Sanders said, is that they agree that chronic absenteeism is a big challenge moving forward. So, what specifically is the is the problem there?
2: Yeah, uh, this is kind of an interesting phenomenon, and I don't know that anybody has a complete answer to it, but we did see uh, during the pandemic, uh, chronic absenteeism just skyrocketed. It had been hovering around, you know, 14, 15 percent. Chronic absenteeism is defined as – Uh, missing 10% or more of your class days. Uh, And that is a significant amount. And it is an indicator of whether or not uh, you're actually going to, you know, pass the class, uh, pass whatever grade you're in and progress on toward graduation. It's, It's an area of significant concern. It skyrocketed during the pandemic it is starting to come down but nowhere near the pre-pandemic levels and so this is a major area of concern uh and we're seeing it especially you know in the upper grade levels there are uh there are racial disparities in it and it's something that is going to have to be addressed
3: so when our chronic absenteeism now um more than doubled during the pandemic, generally it went up even more uh, for low-income students, Black students, Black and next students. Um, it came down a teeny tiny little bit this year, but it's at 28%, whereas it used to be at like 15, 16, 17% statewide, and it's still at 42% for Black students. So this should be very, this should be very concerning. I think it is. I think that you know, as I am around the state, this is not lost on anybody, and I think there's a lot of energy and effort going into it. Rightly so, um, but we're just not. We're just not back where we want to be uh, by a lot.
0: Still, lots of gains as we get back to to more of kind of the the reading, writing, arithmetic uh, area of of the assessment. Lots of gains when it comes to those English language arts scores, as well as math, and particularly among students of color, especially in that. Black student cohort. Leaders say they're pointing to increased funding, support for underrepresented communities, and more here.
1: We educate Black students disproportionately in underfunded Tier 1 school districts with more teacher vacancies, higher teacher and principal turnover, higher chronic absenteeism, so our Black students in general have less access to supports and the resources they need to learn at the rate that they, uh, to be on par with their peers.
2: If you work in statistics, this will start to make more sense. On a percentage basis, uh, African-American students did, you know, uh, they saw tremendous gains uh, in their proficiency rates from one year to the next, largely because in the first year in you know, when tests were given in 2022, there was the proficiency rate was so low that any small amount of increase looks big. Uh, so I think they went from basically around 12% proficiency up to 16% proficiency, uh, which looks good, but is still very, very low. Now, it should be pointed out that Illinois uses uh, very strict standards for proficiency. Um they don't want 100% of students coming out proficient because then that would tell you nothing. Uh, they want a very strict, uh, very rigorous standard that differentiates between, uh, people of different ability levels. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, within that group, uh, there were big gains for African-American students. There were some pretty significant gains for Hispanic and Latino students as well. Uh, much more modest gains across the board when it came to math scores. Um, And I think they're still trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, what the source of that is. But on the English language, uh, which is basically reading, writing, uh, analysis, that kind of thing, uh, there were major improvements, and that was a good sign.
1: We lived for years under a system, uh, a funding system that was really one of the most inequitable in the country, and now we have one that for the last several years has directed resources to the districts and the students who need it the most. Um, and the investment that local school districts have been making to better support our students of color is, is I think, why you're seeing some of these significant increases, not only in um, student proficiency, but also in graduation rates and on other key indicators. Uh, I, I would attribute it to the a direct correlation to the investments the state, the state has made.
3: I think both of those funding sources have really been helpful and made a difference. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more that we ought to continue trying to invest because those federal funds are going to go away. And so the only thing we're going to have left is those state funds. So it's going to be more important than ever that we continue to put in the increases, at least the $350 million that the state has pledged you know, we'd argue it should be more like $550 million,
0: uh, for the coming year. Peter, you've spent a lot of time covering education. In fact, it was just a few weeks ago that we were looking at a different report from Advance Illinois that examined the state's teacher shortage as well as the pipeline, you know, feeding into the number of teachers available. How did this week's report complement or, or contradict what you found in that original story? Uh, it actually complemented uh, pretty well, uh,
2: Largely because the two groups are using pretty much the same set of data. Um, And it was kind of encouraging. We have not seen uh, the number of working teachers decline, uh, which uh, was kind of what some people were expecting. Uh, The retention rate was very, very high during the pandemic, uh, which is what you would expect, because if you had a job as a teacher, uh, during all of the lockdowns. Uh, and if you wanted to leave, where were you going to go? Because all the other businesses were closed. Uh, but as soon as businesses started reopening, and heck, we now live in an age when, you know, Dairy Queen is offering signing bonuses for people to come work there. Uh you know, it's a very tight labor market, there was some fear that we would see, you know, significant declines in the number of teachers and in people, you know, uh, going into teacher preparation programs. We haven't seen that yet. And so that was very encouraging. I think the state has done a number of things, uh, trying to make it easier to get a teacher's uh, license, or at least a temporary teacher's license. Uh, They've done some things. It Increasing uh, the starting salaries of teachers, they've done some a lot of things to try and make the profession more attractive, uh, and it looks like you know at least so far. And we're uh, we've got a long way to go, but uh, it looks like those efforts are paying off.
3: What we're also seeing is that two things: it appears that retention is it we uh, improved teacher retention improved during. COVID, it has stayed up. It is not entirely clear from the data in this report card. We'll know more when the supply and demand report comes out in December. It appears, though, that retention may be continuing to stay up, which would be great news. Um, And then the supply, the number of people who are going into preparation programs has continued to grow. So those are all, if you pull all that together, that is a more encouraging set of circumstances. Uh, So that's great news.
0: There's a lot of information in this report, and you can find it. I should let people know at capitalnewsillinois.com, the report that you did, uh, as well as direct links to the state schools report card, where you can find information about your own local district. It's a lot of information to digest. So, Peter, What do you think the takeaways are here and and what travels into the spring 2024 legislative session when you start talking about things like education funding or changes to education standards?
2: Um, I think there will be uh, considerable uh, pressure, and there has been for a number of years, to continue uh, the evidence-based funding formula uh, system that was adopted in 2017 went into effect in 2018. And that involves putting 300, at least $350 million of new money into uh, the school funding formula every year. Uh, and that money it gets uh, targeted toward the districts that are the least funded. So that eventually we want to get all districts up to being. Uh, ninety percent of adequacy. Uh, we still have a large number of districts that are well below uh, that level, and so I think you you'll see pressure to continue that. Uh, one thing that Advance Illinois has been saying is that if possible, we should do more than three hundred and fifty million a year. Uh, there are other education advocates who say let's just hold it at three fifty because we want to make sure this is sustainable. We don't want to, you know, make really large jumps in one year and then maybe have to peel back uh, the following year if there's a budget crunch. Uh, So they're trying to have a sustainable growth rate. Uh, So you'll see some uh, back and forth on that issue. Uh, in, In terms of education standards, Uh, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of change. We have seen uh, over the last few years, uh, you know, some efforts to add things uh, to, especially to social studies classes and to reading classes to make sure that students are learning uh, American history and the importance of different uh, ethnic groups in the development of American history. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think you're going to see huge changes in the math or reading standards or the science standards or anything like
0: that. Still, we're about, so oh, a little more than two months away from when we'll hear from Governor J.B. Pritzker in his State of the State and Budget Address, uh, what he hopes to do when it comes to education. And that's always an enlightening day. So, Peter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Peter Hancock is a reporter for Capital News Illinois. We also heard from Illinois State School Superintendent Tony Sanders and Advance Illinois President Robin Staines. You've been listening to Capital Cast, a production of Capital News Illinois. Capital News Illinois is a nonprofit, nonpartisan news service funded in large part by support from the Robert R McCormick Foundation, the Illinois Press Foundation, the Illinois Broadcasters Association Foundation, and the Southern Illinois Editorial Association. I'm Jennifer Fuller.